see what we got here oh trick-or-treat wow look at this we got our own little ghostbuster here wow mm -hmm. this is great all right um i'm from ghostbusters afterlife i'm podcast well in that oh your podcast in that case here take some of these goodies from this basket there you go nice big handful of stuff for you there you go enjoy kid wait wait hey mister hmm the ghost of Egon Spengler was more charitable than you in Ghostbusters Afterlife. You... you didn't give me any candy. It's just... a hockey mask that doesn't even look like Jason Voorhees. It just looks like a hockey fan owns it. Mm -hmm. A Demons 2 VHS? And a custom curated 31 Nights of Halloween featuring movies from the 1900s? I want either candy... Or a digital download of The Conjuring 4. You guys suck at Halloween in this house. I'm never trick-or-treating at Country Bear Hall again. Well, <laughs> oh, that's that's a surprise. Well, now, young man, I wouldn't be too hasty. I'm sorry this didn't live up to your expectations. But I guess that is the trick after all. It's the reason for the season, little boy. Now, go on your merry way. You'll realize that these treats are better than any candy full size or fun size that you could receive anywhere else on this block. Now get out of here. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. I was thinking about the performance of Finn Wolfhard in Ghostbusters Afterlife and how breathtaking it was. We're all in a constant state of thinking about Finn Wolfhard's performance in Ghostbusters Afterlife, aren't we? Wow. I do relate to 33-year-old podcasters. <laughs> you guys are so cool. Do you want to watch Stranger Things 5 together when it comes out? Oh, brother. Uh, no. <laughs> no, sit in front of this TV and watch this Silver Shamrock commercial with me. All right. <laughs> Why? That spelled doom for the trick-or-treater as he was forced to watch a very niche and old scary movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, it, it fits with the theme because this is Movies for When. Welcome back, everybody. This is Movies for When. It's Halloween three this is our third halloween episodes this is not the season of the witch which are we are loosely alluding to here thank god because <laughs> not really in the mood to cover that one again nope but put on your silver shamrock masks and give this episode a listen because we're here to tell you about uh, some better stuff than halloween three we already covered halloween two also so damn but three before two, we are a strange podcast. Boy, aren't we. 
we are strange podcast and we're talking to the kid again you see um <laughs> now nah, this sucks denny the spooky season is concluding how are you doing his october is coming to an end we had to have a little bit of delay due to sick denny Yes. So this this uh, episode is dropping on Halloween, and yeah, we hope you guys had a good spooky season with us. I know we certainly had a fun time. We've watched some good movies, some mid-movies, some mid-movies, and some mid-movies, and some bad movies. <laughs> at the end of the day, the reason for the season is here. It is movies for when it's Halloween. I couldn't be any happier, Denny. Yes, um, I am too, Greg. Uh, you know... We, we've we've both kind of had difficult Octobers for different reasons, and as we've said before, this is kind of an off year for movies for when um, we we mm-hmm. we've had a lot of obstacles in our faces this year. And um, what I love so much about Halloween is that it is a holiday with like you're not really supposed to have a deeper meaning or like a sincere family moment or make a special memory. Like, it's a holiday where you're just supposed to have a lot of fun. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's you're just supposed to, like, really enjoy it and get caught up in it. And no one really puts pressure on you to play any, like, roles. You know? Like, there's no, like... Like, every year there's someone who will be heartbroken if, if I don't come to their Christmas party. Right? Like, they just mm-hmm. decide that without my consent that it's really, really meaningful for them for me to go to their Christmas party. Um, and that never happens on Halloween. There's just, it just doesn't bring the guilt trip out in people. Um, and we, we show reverence for things like Frankenstein and Dracula, you know, like we, 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 I mean, it's a holiday where you watch horror movies. That's what you do if you're not a kid trick or treating and you don't have a kid. Um, so I say, let's, let's just... Let's do it for Johnny. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's go out there and win one for Jack the Ripper. Um, let's, (laughs) let's, hold um, on. (laughs) it was a, it was a pun on win one for the Gipper, win one for the Ripper. Um, (laughs) I was trying to, to make a Ronald Reagan line more Halloween like, um, (laughs) I, I, I say we rally and, you know. Uh, I'm a few steps behind, yeah. We can't let the haters get us down, Greg, you know? You and I, we we have our haters. Haters, naysayers, doubters. Do we? Yes. Oh, my God. They're outside my house in the morning saying, you're never going to enjoy your spooky season, you little bitch. You don't deserve (laughs) it. You're not good enough. You're going to have problems today. I can just tell. And we can't let those people get in our heads, Greg, because that's what the Silver Shamrock wants. And if we let them win, then the Silver Shamrock wins. You see, when you described our haters and naysayers, I pictured more of like a group of disgruntled townspeople outside of our homes holding picket signs saying, losers for win, or (laughs) movies for win ate my baby, or something along those lines. Something a little... You know, <laughs> I want you all to know that sometimes I act tough on this show, but I'm very sensitive. And if anyone ever held up a "Losers from Win" sign, I would cry and talk about it in therapy. That would be all it took to break me. <laughs> I don't mean to insult 
when I say that neither of us have come across as tough on this show. <laughs> I was more doing the George Michael, uh, I know I act tough. One of my favorite bits <laughs> in Arrested Development, because he doesn't act tough at all. <laughs> oh, he's got excellent timing. Yeah, we're, we're soft little boys. Please do not protest this podcast outside of our homes. It yeah. will ruin us. <laughs> We'll just stop doing it if it makes that many people mad, honestly. If it, makes... <laughs> if it starts really upsetting people that we make this, I have no problem calling it. Like, that's... <laughs> we're doing something real wrong if we've got that many people mad. A person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, shit, man. We're finally doing it. All right. I'm, re- I'm ready to get started, Denny. Halloween. Ready to get started. October sucks, but that doesn't mean Halloween has to. Hell yeah. Denny, uh, we had a little pause between recordings here, so what else have you been watching this week since the last time we talked? So, I think this is my longest what I've been watching section ever. So and we've had entire episodes of just what we've been watching. So that's, <laughs> I think this is longer than those ones, honestly. That's saying something. All right, what entire franchise did you watch? Am I on the right track here? <sighs> You know, uh, I got really close to getting all of Reanimator, um, mm. but I didn't quite finish it. It's only three movies. It's not that impressive, but uh, I decided Beyond Reanimator looked bad in a not fun way, so I decided not to watch it. Um, <laughs> but fair, um, you know, like is like we've alluded to. Um, I got sick, and I've also felt like spooky season hasn't really been the joy ride I built it up to be. Um, so while I was sick, I really thought back and watched a lot of spooky movies. <laughs> I just sat on the couch and marathoned these fuckers. <laughs> let's go, <laughs> so, dude. Hell yeah. Um, let's see. I think uh, I'm looking at my letterbox. I left off at the Halloween tree, right? I talked about that last episode. Yeah, yes, you did. All right, I watched Reanimator. I hardly know her. Um, Reanimator Ooh. is uh, a really awesome uh, horror gore movie uh, based on a short story that was meant to be a parody of Frankenstein. Um, it plays really, really well. It is really, really funny. Um, I would like to nominate it for our next practical effects episode. Um, it has some really fun stuff in it. Um, and I'd only seen it once, and I watched it, like, years ago, and it was, like, one of those times where we, like, we paused the movie so someone could go to the bathroom, and then someone started refilling drinks, and then someone needed to make a quick phone call, and then we went in on the porch for a little bit, and it ended up being, like, an hour and a half pause in the movie, so it just didn't <laughs> hit right, you know, like, um, so it was really, really nice to, uh, rewatch that classic, um, I watched Return of the Living Dead, which we covered last year, um, but it's so good. I wanted to nice. watch it again this year. It's a very awesome movie. Uh, there's a whole episode about it. Go back and check it out. Uh, that's I, like that's like one of the most Denny movies I can think of is <laughs> Return of the Living Dead. I am honored to have that associated uh, with me because I honestly feel like it's like made just for me. 
Like, yeah. if, if, if I, like, it's like when Abed says he never returned Time Bandits to Blockbuster because no one else deserved it. Mm. Um, <laughs> I could see myself having that kind of relationship with the only copy of Return of the Living Dead at my Blockbuster if I had, uh, if I had seen it <laughs> younger. <laughs> like, no one else deserves this. I'm keeping it. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if Blockbuster had stuck around just a little bit longer, this would have, this exact scenario would have played out. Yes. For sure. <laughs> um... So yeah, I love Return of the Living Dead. Um, I'm gr- I'm glad Greg enjoyed it when we watched it last year, and uh, I think it's I think I'm officially putting it in my my annual list of must um, for for spooky season. I think it's okay. I think it's reaching that territory with me. Um, I told you I almost completed this franchise. I watched Bride of Reanimator, um, which was uh, still a good movie. Actually, no, it wasn't. Um, it was uh, check that. <laughs> it was a lot less fun than the first. Um, they really seemed to be stalling for time for most of it. Like there was even a point where the the characters stopped and like noticed time passing. Um, and uh, okay, hold on, sorry, Vanessa texting me. Uh, but there's a point where they're like. Good lord, we only have 45 seconds. I mean, do you think we could get it done in 45 seconds? And then they, like, wait for a little bit of time to pass. And it wasn't in, the, like, a cool French new wave. I'm going to draw attention to how we never have dead air on a movie. You know, like, it was like, mm-hmm. they're really trying to stretch this out. <laughs> With the dead air they're putting in this movie. <laughs> so, uh, all that goes to say... Uh, it had such an amazingly fun third act that I gave it a passing grade. Um, it, was, okay. it was really looking at a failing grade for me. Um, but ultimately, the third act uh, really delivered on what I was here to see. And I, I bumped it up to a 30 just for that. That's a narrow pass right on the line. Um but Reanimator is actually a good movie that's fun. Uh, Bride of Reanimator is for horror nerds like me. Um, <laughs> I watched um, The Bride of Frankenstein because I was in a bride kick. Um, I was going to say this is a very marital-friendly uh, segment from you. I'm appreciating this. Well, really, a larger Shouts theme to of... the spouses. <laughs> <laughs> a larger thing of my October has been watching part twos. Uh, I started with Halloween 2 on this podcast. I've... Demons. Demons 2, right? Yeah. Um, I, I did a couple others. I don't remember. We did, ha- I mean, we Bri- did Halloween 2. Yeah. Bride of Reanimator. Um, I felt like I did another one. Creepshow 2. I watched Creepshow 2. Yes, you did. Um, so this is part two of Frankenstein. Um, and I'd actually only seen it once. I'm getting a Bride of Frankenstein tattoo next week, so I thought I should see a movie more than once before I get it tattooed. Um, yeah. And, uh <laughs> But uh, I had I have really mixed feelings on this movie. I actually uh, messaged uh, very scary Dylan Derry Barry about it to get his thoughts because I mm. I wanted someone who knew more than me, but also had opinions I trust because it's like it's very beloved in horror circles, um, and it has a lot of terminator 2 moves you know what i'm saying um there's a there's a babyface turn a frankenstein uh that uh doesn't sit right with me 
you could say it's the first horror comedy we know of because there's like lots of intentional comedy in it mm-hmm. which as a this is where i land on it officially as a sequel to frankenstein which is probably in my top five favorite movies ever mm-hmm. as a sequel to that I like kind of hate the Bride of Frankenstein like a lot. Like they changed almost everything I love about Frankenstein. Um, but as a standalone movie, I do think it's very good, especially okay. considering like there's some stuff that like is just to show off effects and aren't doesn't really contribute to the story um, that I really don't like. But I've also got to acknowledge that it was the 1930s. A lot of going to the movies was being wowed with like something you've never seen before, and moving pictures, yowza wowza, exactly. And yeah. and the effects that they did were really good. Um, they, there's like they have a bunch of little tiny kings and queens living in jars, fucking with each other and running around and being silly. Um, that's specifically what I'm alluding to, and it's just like. Super unnecessary, super tonally disruptive, uh, very stupid <laughs> and silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they actually did a crazy good job with those effects, especially considering the time. Like, it looks really good, and that was part of the appeal. And also something that uh, very scary Dylan Derryberry said, that's his official name in October, um, as he was right, like, yeah. when you his look October at... His October nomaker, I get it. <laughs> moniker. You... Moniker. What the yes. fuck? When you look at sequels at the time, they actually had very, very little to do with the source material. So Bride of Frankenstein having like a direct plot with the same actors and same characters is actually a lot of respecting the source material for the time. You know, like they would usually just do a sequel that was like tangentially related and you found out it was like, ah... The Wolfman's brother got bit too, and now he's a Wolfman. But everyone from the first movie's gone. You know, like that's mm. that's what a lot of the stuff was like. Anyway, I'm taking way too long on this because yeah, you spent five minutes on one movie and your Jesus, longest I'm segment sorry. ever. I have it's probably lot. like three. I have a lot of thoughts on Bride of Frankenstein. It's the um, follow up to one of your top five favorite movies ever. So totally. I'm not gonna like totally hate on it. So what else you got? I watched, um, I got into, we discussed, uh, Giallo a little bit, uh, in our, uh, yeah, we did. Our Dario Argento Demons episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched a few more Argento movies and, uh, I'll, I'll cover them together to save time. Um, I watched The Bird with the Crystal Plumage and Tenebre. Tenebre, I don't know how to say it. Um, Tenebre. They're, uh, they're like I said, his... third most. <laughs> Two of his most famous contributions, um, and uh, they're they're both really good movies. I really enjoyed them. Um, Bird with the Crystal Plumage is a little more of a mystery thriller uh, whodunit, uh, but it mm. still has some pretty good gore in it. Um, Tenebre was much more of a horror, and I really liked it. Um, I will say this about Argento as a director. Um, when he was making serious movies, he legitimately reminded me of Hitchcock at times. Like That's why he made a movie with birds in the title. <laughs> you could uh, almost say the killer was a psycho in his movie. A little Whoa! derivative, if you ask me. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, um, I sure hope those birds didn't get vertigo. Oh, brother. 
Yeah, I, I walked away with a, with a higher level of respect for Argento because I think I'd only seen Demons and Phenomenon by him. And Phenomenon is like, it's out there, man. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's weird. I love it, but it's weird. Uh, these were uh, these were some really really good genre films that were very ahead of their time that ended up inspiring a lot of the American slasher craze that I really love from that time period. So hell yeah, that very very that. cool watches. I really enjoyed them. Uh, honestly, my only regret is that I didn't get to keep going down this Argento rabbit hole like I planned to. I just ran out of time, but that was going to continue. Um, well, I've got good news. You still can. <laughs> true, true. Um, I do want to say, though, that uh, even though these movies are much better, uh, Demons is still my favorite work of his. Okay. <laughs> Pretty Very phenomenal. Cool. Um, catch this, because I was feeling appreciative of history. I watched the 1925 silent film Phantom of the Opera. Um, cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I've been wanting to see it for a long time. I, I've actually owned it on DVD for several years, uh, and I saw that it's free on YouTube because it's public domain. Um, so there's that. You can watch it on YouTube in its entirety. Yet another benefit of old movies. Hell yeah. What'd yeah. you think of it? I thought it was fantastic. Um, the only thing I can really compare it to, because it's the only other, like, feature-length silent film I've seen from the era is uh, Metropolis. Um, mm-hmm. And Metropolis is just magnificent. Like, it's it's a fucking achievement. Like, it's so good. Um, and I, I felt very similarly about Phantom. Um, a really, really good movie um, with some truly, like... God, everything I love about, like, the cinematography in Frankenstein, uh, I I think Phantom did it first, I now know. Um, okay. So there's, there's a lot of re- really, really good shots. Uh, the makeup on uh, Lon Chaney Sr. is incredible. Um, there is... So basically, like, what everyone knows from this movie is, like, the clip of of uh the phantom getting unmasked that's like the famous like movie moment Mm -hmm. um let me tell you i thought that that was like the big reveal at the end of the movie it's really like an act break um it's it's, okay cool it's earlier in the movie um there is a lot more to this movie than just seeing the phantom's face uh the phantom goes on to do a lot more cool stuff um it's not as sappy as the musical version that was really big when we were children in the 90s. Yeah, um, yeah. Not, nothing against that either. I haven't seen it since high school. Good songs. A great. Really I listened songs. to some of the soundtrack this week for Spooky Season. Like, it's, yeah, of course. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how it holds up now, but I do remember thinking it was a little sappy. This one is not. This one is scary. Um, it's fucking cool. Oh, <laughs> it sounds badass. like. That kind of reminds me of when we were watching, um, oh my gosh, why can't I think of it? Uh, Sixth Sense. There we go. I got there. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, oh, I know what the twist is. I know the big movie moment, so maybe I'm not going to get too much out of watching it. And then I watched it, and I was like, holy shit, this movie fucking rocks. And you're like, oh yeah, I guess that twist kind of happened or whatever. Right, that right. Wasn't the, yeah. That wasn't the crux of the what made the movie good. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pleasantly surprised about like how much more meat was in the movie than just like the big pop culture famous moment so Absolutely. that's pretty cool 
Hell yeah, yeah that rocks. It, meat, meat is on the bone, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend it to anyone who like has some level of appreciation for film history. You know, like I'm like, you don't need to be a horror genre nut to, to appreciate this. You know, like I'm like, mm-hmm. if you're a casual moviegoer, this movie is, God, this kind of blew my mind. It's like two years away from being a hundred years old, which is like insane to think about that. I watched Mm -hmm. a hundred year old movie. Um, that's, that's nuts. Um, but all that goes to say, um, it made me really, uh, want to watch Nosferatu, another really old silent film that I've been wanting to watch for a long time. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say we should watch that together in Ooh. anticipation of the Robert Eggers movie coming out. Yeah, that I like could be that a fun. Idea. Yeah. yeah, that could be fun. I'm down with that, and it's a uh, one of Nicolas Cage's favorite movies, so that really warrants an episode from us. I feel like <laughs> I was gonna say I should have seen it already. Then we should do uh, we should do that and Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and call it like. Mm-hmm. Movies for when you wish, or movies for when Curated you wish to impress by... Nick Cage. Yeah, <laughs> I like that too. You'd be surprised what gets back to him. Um, I watched. Um, God, I still have. I still have more. <laughs> All right, uh, do each movie and then like a one-line review. Okay, um, scary tales. Um, I kind of have to explain what this is. I'm sorry. Oh my god. Scary Tales is um, a DVD I bought from an Alamo Drafthouse sale in the pandemic because I wanted to help keep Alamo Drafthouse alive, and this DVD was the only thing I could afford. Um, And I bought it, knew nothing about it, put it on my shelf, and then thought, hey, wait a minute, I've never watched this. Um, It is a shot-on-video homemade horror anthology from 1992. That is the Denny's description I've ever heard for a movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it was a blast. It is now uh, what I assume is a piece of rare media that I have in my collection. It's now a prized possession instead of a weird thing I bought. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to show it to you one day. Um, Vanessa had a blast. It's not just... Uh, you, you don't have to be me. <laughs> to to enjoy it um it's only 60 minutes it's quick it's it's not a it's not a deep dive and uh it is it's wild um and we watched all the extras okay like we watched all the extra features of like Mm -hmm. we even watched an earlier cut of the movie that they made before with their fucking video cameras like (laughs) it was so good um all right one sentence reviews uh Cabin in the Woods. Watch our episode about it. Self-aware scare. Um, Good movie. How am I going to do this in one line? Um, First say the title of the movie. Okay. Yeah? Frankenhooker. Okay, I think that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) We teed you up for that one, huh? (laughs) Um, I... can it be described in one sentence? Yes. Um, <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. If I were a horror-obsessed... Horror. Horror. Horror-obsessed... There we go. <laughs> horny. Okay. 13-year-old 
whore obsessed. Uh huh. Jackpot. <laughs> okay. That's my one sentence review. <laughs> I will accept the word jackpot as its own exclamation mark. So I, I will wiggle the rules to allow it. So okay. very good. It's, it's not a proper sentence, but uh, what can I say? I, I Doesn't sound it. like a proper film. So yeah, um, I watched VHS eighty five, um, Shutter exclusive. Uh, Heard just of it? Came out. Um, fun enough. Not my favorite VHS, but a decent watch. That'll that'll be my one sentence review. Um, was I, I'm, was Ty West involved with that one? No, because I know no, he did the he, first. He hasn't VHS. been involved yeah. for a long time, buddy. Just that first <laughs> Ty, one. Okay, Ty West yeah. is out, <laughs> long gone from the franchise. Um, uh, honestly, I've liked every VHS movie I've seen so far, and this is one of them. I obviously think the one that Ty West made is a cut above the rest, but um, I I haven't had a bad time yet. Um, this was not the best one I've seen, but not bad at all. Um, I just I would have gone a different direction with it conceptually, given the time period referenced. Um, I wouldn't have done a snuff film type of. That's not what I think of when I think of '85 um, horror. Uh, um and finally i watched uh evil dead 2 uh if you want to hear about it check mm. out our episode where we cover the entire franchise in one episode movies for when the dead are evil and that's my what i've been watching lately damn <sighs> was that a whole hour a new record <laughs> yeah that was <laughs> it would have been more if i had today free like i thought i would and that ended yeah. up working out but i would have logged three more on that <laughs> when when today got as busy as it did for you i was fully expecting you to be like oh man i only watched two things it's just like no 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 it just kept it from being like the entire episode instead yeah. of just... <laughs> I should have like been like sorry I need to do a solo episode where I just talk about all the things I've watched we'll do it as a separate bonus episode <laughs> that's right like well, we I used guess to it... Patreon I... days back in the day I... well we used to do whatever anyways spend enough time on this bullshit so the stuff I watched because we do have to get to that I guess <laughs> Um, this isn't only, the Denny show? What? This is not the Denny show, believe it or not. This is not Denny's for win. This is... Uh, <laughs> I'm here too. Uh, <laughs> I I only have three things. The first is a... The first of the three is non-horror, so I'll cover it first. Paul Schrader's uh, Master Gardener, starring Joel Edgerton, came out last year. It is the third movie in his kind of soft trilogy where he makes movies about guys with troubled pasts that write journals about their troubled pasts and how they're trying to move on from them. Um, this is maybe the weakest one in this trilogy. I thought it was still really good. I think he can really shoot a movie. He's not just... It, I think I had to tell you... Wow, damn. I think I had to tell you who Paul Schrader was last time I talked about him, but he was he wrote stuff like uh, Taxi Driver and a, a lot of uh, Scorsese's films uh, he wrote. He's been directing his own movies lately. And this one was fine. He really knew, he really knows how to like dial in a lead actor to make like a super memorable role. But uh this one kind of it didn't really miss the mark. I just thought it was the lesser of the three. First Reformed, I think, is the best one. That one was just so memorable, so interesting. Mm -hmm. um, 
the horror movies I watched, Denny. I watched... So, we haven't mentioned it yet, but we are covering on this episode the audience poll winner, The House of the Devil. Have we from... really not mentioned that yet? Jesus. No, we haven't. <laughs> when do we ever do our jobs correctly? Oh, good point. Big fat air quotes around the word job there, but yeah. yeah um, <laughs> I, I, I watched The House of the Devil. We're going to talk about it a little bit, but I had a good time with it, and I was like, Damn, this came out in 2009. I was like 18 and 19 in 2009. Like, the cinema of 2009 is fucking weak. It sucks. I was like, I went to my Critiker page. I was like, what else came in 2009? Oh, I thought you meant this movie didn't look good. And I was like, excuse you. Oh, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I heard cinema and thought cinematography. And, and Oh, I was like, no, no, no. We're gonna have a discussion about this. Sorry, go ahead. The cinema, the 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 body of work that cinema produced yeah. into that. Probably when you think of thought except me. When right? you think of the movies of '09, you're not getting a lot of big hits. You're not getting a lot I, of winners. I don't know if I can uh, name another one, <laughs> like uh, off the top of my head. I don't know if I can. The best one, probably Inglorious Bastards. Oh, that was '09. Um, okay, yep, easy, and, easy. The other one, I think uh, District Nine, but that was okay. That was that was a fine movie, I guess. It is the year like, they gave us Five Hundred Days of Summer too. Uh, oh, brother! I was thinking about that movie today. How much I hate hmm. the lead performance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, I watched more two thousand nine films just to kind of up my repertoire, see if there was anything I was missing. I was missing, speaking of Evil Dead, the director, Sam Raimi, made Drag Me to Hell in 2009. And um, I didn't really like it that much. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it? No. I thought for sure you would have seen it. But yeah, 2009, uh, Drag Me to Hell, the Sam Raimi film. Will Reno gave it a zero on Critical. <laughs> I don't think it was that bad at all it's just it just it wasn't my thing it's will, will takes hard stances you know will takes hard stances and i respect him for that we're going to talk about will a lot later during our discussion this episode but like i don't know i just super campy horror movie had had its decades i think when it's shot on digital i'm just less on board with it I really like Justin Long in it. Justin Long's in there. Hey. Um, it, it would just it didn't it didn't really work for me all that well. Um, it didn't suck. It was kind of a fun watch, but it just like yeah, I was like ready for it to be over. Um, and the last thing I watched in the longest segment ever of what we've been watching, we're finally done, folks. It is the newest sci-fi horror on hulu that came out this year no one will save you a lot of people have like contacted me and told me to watch that but they also said they didn't like the ending so i never did it <laughs> i don't want to spoil the ending i don't know what it is uh, so i was like eh, you gotta sell me harder than that on something i've heard nothing about it, it has a bad it's... ending <laughs> that's not a pitch the criticisms i've heard have been pretty similar but the ending was the only part i liked 
Huh. Like the the gimmick of the movie soft gimmick is like it's I don't really want to spoil the plot, but there's like our lead character is dealing with an invasion of sorts from creatures, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they're infiltrating our house, I guess. But, like, the movie is presented with, like, almost zero dialogue. There are, like, almost zero lines. It's very strange, and I think it worked in detriment of the movie. Because we spend the entire film developing the main character and it's like I don't know just when your character is so when your lead character is just this undefined and unknowable everything they do for the first two acts seems so bizarre Mm -hmm. it was just such a weird movie like I just I didn't get this move of like all of the character development happening in the end, you're like, okay, this is who this person is that we've been following around this whole time. There are pretty effective scenes of um, of horror. Basically, she's like trying to outthink and outsmart and like sneak around um, the horror situations. Mm-hmm. I'll call them, and those scenes are pretty cool. But you're just like, okay, but who who the fuck even is this person? It's I don't know. It's just presented in such a bizarre way that I just like. I I couldn't really buy in at any point and say like, okay, I'm on board with this person. I understand what they're going through, and here's why I want them to like get through the movie. Basically, it's super strange. Um, yeah, by the end of it, I wasn't like upset about watching it, but it did seem like it ended like four times. So maybe. Maybe that's part of the weak ending people are telling you about. It's just like, my wife even at the time was like, if it ends here, it's going to be very funny. And then it didn't end there. And then it didn't end here. And then it didn't end here. It just like kept having another scene or two. It was very strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I gave it a pretty low score. But I'm not going to discourage you from checking it out or anything. Boo! Ah! Aha! I guess it wasn't such a screamless edit after all. Ah! Oh, we're back, folks. I tricked Denny with horror. <laughs> As I'm prone to do, known to do, and will never stop doing. I appreciate your enunciation of the word horror. Like, it's it's a good distinction to make, especially for us Texans. You keep talking about, like sex worker based spooky movies and you're like i'm horror obsessed and it's like buddy understand what you're saying and how you're saying it sorry i am horror obsessed horror little there shop of horrors <laughs> <laughs> that one's important <laughs> you know with all the puppets what all right and so jesus freak <laughs> Uh, Rick Moranis, you know, just yeah. obsessed with horrors. I'd have a three-way with Rick Moranis and a puppet. <laughs> so anyways, folks, we're done talking about all the stuff we've been watching this year. Uh, these are our last spooky movies, or are they? We're here to get into the, uh, you know, the reason we're here, the reason for the season. 
the movie that won the audience poll, The Reason We're All Here, 2009's Ty West film, The House of the Devil, that you can watch right now on Peacock. Mm, this is like coming the... Coming in handy. We've done like 250 movies on this podcast, and this is like the third time that Peacock has actually come in handy. So Yeah, I, I sub Peacock for wrestling, um, and... Uh, Every so often, like once or twice a year, I'm like, huh, what do you know? That one's on Peacock, but I'm looking for a movie. <laughs> that sure like, is me. Oh. <laughs> I guess they did put Five Nights at Freddy's on this platform for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, like the most important thing they ever did was put Burning on their platform, which, uh, watch it. Listen yeah. to our episode on it. Burning was good. What a fucking picture. I'm going to go watch it again for like the fifth time. I don't care. Uh, it's been a month of mid-movies for me, so maybe I need to watch a known winner. Anyways, we're here to talk about a pretty good movie. It's kind of a winner here. The House of the Devil. Danny, before we get into it, before we talk about how we know this movie, I'm going to give you the Critiker review of the week for The House of the Devil. Uh, this user gave it a 68 out of 100. And they said, really? Seriously, how hard is it to just hire a house sitter for four hours? Like, a nice, respectable one who won't go snooping around through the house, rummaging through all your stuff, or go dancing on top of your furniture, while then one thing leads to another and breaks your fancy vase. It is just so hard for Satan to find good help these days. <laughs> clear winner in my eyes so. oh man like, seriously why was that so difficult for them <laughs> like what the fuck well when you're advertising a babysitting job to a college campus that is occupied by six students i get why you're gonna have a hard time <laughs> um yeah denny so this won our poll you mm -hmm. i think pushed to have this one on the poll in the first place so what's yeah, your relationship yeah. with the house of the devil um i it was on my list a couple of years ago um and i watched it for that it's the only time i've seen it um but it made an impression on me i thought it was mm -hmm. really really good um i i think about moments from it quite a bit despite only having seen it seen it once um it made me a fan of the song one thing leads to another um i mm. <laughs> listen to that now um and uh yeah, I just I Vanessa and I have a shared appreciation for uh, '70s cult movies. We definitely went through a big '70s cult phase, and uh, then we watched this, and we we're like, "Holy shit! It's like a better '70s cult movie than all the '70s cult movies." Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, this is this is awesome, <laughs> and it looks like one too. You know, like it looks very. There, we'll get into takes. That's my relationship with it. What about you, Greg? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that for sure later, because I thought this was presented extremely well. Mm -hmm. um, you suggested it for the poll, and it was just like, yeah, we'll put that on there. I felt like I had heard about it. I did not expect it, just, it to win at all. No, absolutely not. Me neither. Um, it was something like, yeah, sure, I know what this is. And then it won the poll, and it was like, okay, time to start looking forward on streaming. Like... I realized when it came out and then started watching it and everything, I was like, I don't have a fucking clue about anything about this. I've never heard of this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw that it was directed by Ty West and I immediately got very excited. And <laughs> I was just like, 
I, 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 you know, put it in the Google search and it was directed by Ty West. Okay, I'm on board. I'm excited. Budget $900,000. Fucking let's go. Yeah. And then I said, ooh, Greta's in this. And I, <laughs> a opposite reaction to what I usually have to say when I say that phrase. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was... I was pleasantly surprised that it won the poll and then I concluded my research on it and was very excited to watch it. And I got to say it lived up to kind of what I was expecting. So uh, I guess we'll get into here, Denny. I'll let you start. This is kind of more your wheelhouse. So what are your initial thoughts on The House of the Devil, especially as a Halloween specific movie? You know, I don't know that it would be a Halloween night one for me. Um, But that's because, like, Halloween night is saved for, like, a... Demons. I I would watch worse movies than this on Halloween night. (laughs) It's not for its quality that I wouldn't say it's a Halloween night one. Um, It's probably better than anything I would watch on Halloween night. Um, I, I don't know. It's like... And this is probably just something about the age I am. Um, when I think of like what really gets me in the Halloween mood, it's like eighties and nineties stuff, not seventies mm-hmm. stuff and not 2009 stuff. Um, so I don't know as a movie for Halloween night, I certainly think you could pick worse movies. I've, I, I actually know I will pick worse movies and I have, um, you know, and I, I certainly, <laughs> and I, I feel like to do so. <laughs> It's more of a, like, unsung hero. Like, if someone told me, like, oh, this this Halloween, me and my partner are going to watch uh, House of the Devil, I would have been like, oh, that's a good pick. Wouldn't yeah. have thought of that. Wouldn't have thought of that, but a great pick, right? Yeah, I would, I would hype them up for sure. Yeah. What about you? Halloween Night Watch. What say you? Uh, like, what would I watch on, on Halloween Night? Or, or as I... this movie is getting the... the, the the, the pick of the year for what we recommend for Halloween night. I'm pleasantly surprised. I don't know about, like, for Halloween night. If Halloween was on a weekend, this year it's on a Tuesday, of course. That's when you're listening to this episode, if you're hearing it when it gets released. I don't think of this one as much as, like, a Halloween night kind of movie, but I'm glad I watched it this close to Halloween, basically. Um, I will say this year, I, 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 you know, beat the same drum every week and I'm just like, oh, I watched a bunch of horror movies again this week and they all kind of fucking sucked. And then this movie watched it and I was like, this is the best horror movie that I watched all month. So Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I was excited. It, it, it. I don't know about watching it specifically for Halloween, but I think it did save the Halloween season for mm-hmm. me in terms of like my Hell enjoyment yeah. of w- watching movies this year. Hell yeah! Um, only watched one or two new ones, and um, yeah, I, I I think this was a great time. Yeah, I think like this movie is great for Halloween night and great for October, but it's also one that like doesn't have to be in October for me to watch it. You know, like I could watch House of the Devil in March and really enjoy it. But Ooh, okay. But Beetlejuice? No. I don't watch that in March. Um Trick or Treat? 
No, no, that's a, that's a you, Halloween movie, right? Like very much um, so, yeah. So there's 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 a certain aura that I think makes a movie October exclusive for me. Um, this is one I would watch pretty much any time of the year because it's just a badass fucking movie if you're in the mood for some horror, you know? Okay. Yeah, I think your your tastes kind of will allow you a little more leniency for watching a movie like this in March more than it would for me. I would still only watch this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Already, yeah. If it's March, I'm watching fucking the scariest movie I would watch in March is probably Alien. Like yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's about it. So mm -hmm. uh, a movie like this, I would keep it in October, and I would be very happy to watch it there. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, man. I well, where do we want to start? This is uh, we've kind of broken the ice and made it clear how much we enjoyed this movie. Is there yeah. anything? Uh, any major talking point you want to get out in the um i would kind ask of, kind of open you, the gates with here mm -hmm. i would ask you what is uh what is your relationship with like 70s horror um because that's that's kind of what this movie is a love letter to and uh stylistically emulates um i'm assuming that's not a lot now i'm just wondering like how, how did all that hit you i i didn't think of this one because it's set in 83 is at it least really? that's what okay, the, yeah. that's what the description is at okay. least and i i didn't really like for me i think in this day and age especially in 2023 i think it was more of a i don't have i'll answer your question first actually i'll answer your question and say like my relationship with like 70s horror is very soft it's very weak it's pretty much just like alien halloween that's kind of it like i, mm -hmm. I don't know a lot about like niche or like low budget uh cult horror movies like okay. you were describing it's not something i'm really familiar with at all so it for me it's not hearkening to a time of a specific type of movie for me it's more paying homage to an era in general cool so when i think of stuff like stranger things or like there was a uh what was it? Fear Street 1970-something that you yeah, just watched, yeah, yeah. right? Where you were just... You were kind of happy with the aesthetic, but you kind of mentioned it was just like, okay, when you just play top 40 70s music, it doesn't make it a 70s right, movie. Right, right, yeah. This movie was refreshing for me, especially in like a Stranger Things kind of age currently, of just being like, it's set in the 80s, but it's not obnoxious about it. You know, it's it's shot on 16 millimeter film, but you can't just do that and then that's the end of it. Like, play some Tears for Fears and Bing yeah, Bang Boom. Yeah. We, we've got a fucking 80s hit on our hands. Like, the writing, the performances, the set design, everything has to have this certain aesthetic. And I feel like this movie accomplishes that mm -hmm. very well. So one of my, like, top notes was, like, verily or... I didn't take notes while watching it. This is all like I barely after. have any, yeah. Yeah, this was all after the fact, like my thoughts later. It's just it's set in the eighties without being obnoxious about it. There's no synth heavy soundtrack. It's like it, it it felt refreshing in a day and age of like we put this eighties track and like 
put a denim jacket on one of the characters, so this is an 80s thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, no, you got to do a little bit more than that. And that this movie really goes the extra mile. I don't know if it's the low budgetness of it all or what, but it like <laughs> I was fully bought in and yeah. I answered your question in spades, I hope. So No, absolutely you did. Um no, that's I think that's what makes it stand out for me cuz it's like at times it's hard for me to believe it's made in 2009 because it's so right it's so nails the vibe and like weirdly the thing that stood out to me was the the title cards in the opening credits i was like Mm -hmm. this is exactly how they looked they're they're yellow they're not white you know like they they this is how it looks in these older movies and it was just this like nice little dot in your eyes crossing your t's like you're not just trying to make a movie that is like nostalgic for this time period. You're trying to make a movie that seems like it was made during this time period. You're not yeah. you're not trying to make it how history looked then. You're trying to make it how movies looked then. And that's yeah, really cool to me. You're emulating a filmmaking style, not just tacking on a couple of like trademarks from the time basically. Yeah. And like even the end credits to kind of build off what you were saying that the yellow text that we've ended the movie there's a freeze frame on her in the hospital bed right mm-hmm. and we just like got that yellow text like here's a name 20 dots and then what they did in the movie and uh as i was saying that sentence i realized we did not summarize the plot of oh, the house of the devil fuck, <laughs> fuck. god we're it was it was oh. my stupid 45 minute what I've been watching section it threw us off our rhythm I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's October like the rain was falling the last couple days the rust has set in our brains Mm -hmm. immensely so um watch the movie I guess we're so far beyond that point now summarizing I'll give a really quick one um I guess so yeah a woman takes a babysitter job things look kind of sketchy um it turns out it was a satanic cult um that's 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 your that's that's the brevity I couldn't find in my uh, reviews of my movies I watched. <laughs> I just got to put the time pressure on you of like being <laughs> an hour into the episode before. <laughs> my bad, everyone. I'm sorry. As, asking you the gimmick. Um, and hey, I will call out this movie was the second movie that we did for this spooky season mm-hmm. where a character was watching night of the living dead on a tv oh shit they did it in halloween 2 which we covered Ah. earlier we did it here though she quickly turned it off because it was too scary huh and they uh they talk a lot about night of the living dead and return of the living dead which i also watched recently and uh there's a lot of night of the living dead references in our media diet right now that's interesting i hadn't connected those dots hell yeah media diet i i like that phrase i'm not gonna (laughs) lie um so i i kind of want to see what you think about this house this kind of reminds me of psycho a little bit a little bates-esque sort of house i really liked it it's got this creepy sort of vibe but not in such an unbelievable way that you're like well why was she here in the first place right kind of thing yeah you don't think Um, she's like an idiot for like walking into danger but like something's very off right something's very mm-hmm. off and you could if if it was you if you were doing the job 
and $400 of 1983 money was on the line, um, which is like literally like $1,000 now, or probably more than that, to be honest. Um, yeah. But um, you could see yourself talking yourself into doing what she did is kind of how I feel. Like, there'd be a part of you that's like, leave, and you'd be like, oh, you're just freaking out. You know, it's it's dark, it's scary. Don't leave. Nothing's happening. You know, like... Mm-hmm. And, um, Sorry, what were you going to say about the house? <laughs> oh, no, just just basically that. Everything really seems on the up and up. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's 1983. This is just like, we're going out into the country a little bit. This is just what the houses look like. And, yeah. you know, Samantha, our main, our main character, has listened to, so far, zero true crime podcasts. So <laughs> she doesn't know to be, like, so worried about uh, the situation she's getting in, herself into. So that's um, a nice little departure from reality, I guess, we're getting here. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's something that it accomplishes really well of, like, uh, it's almost liminal. Do you know Do you know the liminal space phenomenon that people are into? Yes. I don't think I could, like, define it with my own words, but... I know what when I see it kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> well, and that's kind of what it is. It's kind of a feeling, you know, like the best description I've seen of it is like the space between what was and what will be. You know, it's like when a department store is empty, but they haven't put the new store in yet. You know, like, um, mm-hmm. but it also just gives you this feeling that you're not supposed to be there. Like when you're the only person in the airport at night, you know, like, or when you're, in your school after hours and it's really quiet and you're used to it oh being this, yeah you know, the, the environment is made to be bustling and full of people but it's not you know like and so you're seeing the environment mm-hmm. like in a weird way right like and i feel like that's so much of the vibe i get of the house of it rolling up of like hmm this is kind of like my grandma's house which is in a way comforting and in another way, disturbing. You it's, know, like... It's your friend's grandma's house. Yeah, it's not yours. Yeah. You don't know it. It's, yeah, yeah. And, like... That that kind of comes into praise. Like, the set design of the film and everything is just, like... It has to feel creepy yeah. and unsettling. But not, a, like clearly haunted kind of place it has to kind of exist in a sort of reality that we're willing to buy that this character would be willing to stay in so like i think it's an incredible character choice and like filmmaking choice to have the character samantha like turning on all of the lights as soon as she starts feeling a little bit creeped out Mm -hmm. She's, like, going room to room down the hall. She's, like, turning all the, on all the lights. But, you know, this is 83. This isn't, like, LED bulbs. They're not, like, illuminating the space in, like, a super, like, comforting kind of way. It's just kind of like, yeah, you can kind of see now. And that's about it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it. It's really cool the way they managed to, like, allow the main character to do believable things to make herself feel more comfortable, but allow the audience to see that and still feel a sense of discomfort Mm -hmm. and say like, yeah, you turned on the lights, but you still haven't 
gone into the attic. You still haven't checked this dark corner yet. This house isn't super well lit. Not for a lack of effort from the main character, though. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, there's just... There's something I'm, I'm remembering the feelings I had watching this yeah. for the first time. You know, like, I'm trying to do that to you. No, yeah. it's working. It's working. I'm uh, I'm just remembering how scared I was, and how easy it was to just identify with the protagonist. You know, like to to really feel her discomfort, um, to really feel her uneasiness, but also her kind of recklessness. Um, a, per a performance that really drives it home for me is uh, the uh, the husband of the household. You have a hand yes! up? Yes! He's so simultaneously, like, this, like, meek, like, p -p -p poor, st stuttering Professor Quirrell. Like, um, uh. <laughs> like, very, very meek and very, very unconfident um, and very um, uh, just scared he seems kind of scared but he's also like really aggressive you know <laughs> like yeah. you know like in this in this very understated way he is very aggressive um and it just yeah. gives me the heebie-jeebies thinking about what it would be like to be a 19 year old female in that man's house and how insanely uncomfortable it would be to talk to him and negotiate babysitting rates right yeah exactly and that is it is a note i created I, I wanted to praise this performance from Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan is the actor, okay. RoboCop 2 himself. Holy this... fucking shit. Are you serious? Yeah, that was Kane from RoboCop 2. Oh, I thought it was RoboCop. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> RoboCop 2. Oh. Kane was in... Yeah, he became RoboCop 2. I knew I recognized that Two spoilers for RoboCop 2. Right. Uh, He's RoboCop 2. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's Kane. He oh. he plays it so perfectly, and this is just like a character archetype. Like you're so used to, it's just like, well, if you come into this house, you'll just be watching my mother. Nothing's <laughs> afoot here, and you're just like, okay, like obviously this guy trying to convince you to do this is a major creep, and there should be red flags raised left and right. Yeah, but he has such a genuine performance and like such a an inviting kind of persona that it drops the audience's guard honestly like a little bit it was just like he just seems like a normal guy trying to take his wife out like you know what kind of movie you're watching so you're you know that like everything isn't totally on the up and up but you're like his performance you're willing to buy in a little bit more to what he's saying it's just like maybe he does just want to get out of the house a little bit he doesn't come off as that like overly obvious creep that would normally fill this exact role yeah. he's so good in this man it's it's incredible well i think you could like make a case that he is this like what's the word i want to say um he seems possibly sort of broken down by really demanding caregiving duties and it seems like mm -hmm. he doesn't get out much clearly what we're gathering is that his mother needs 24-hour care you know like she needs someone mm -hmm. with her 24 hours a day um 
to the point that they're willing to pay any price to get this one night that's really important to them to go out, right? And I could see him as just being like a really weird guy who's a total shut-in and spends all of his time taking care of his elderly mother and um, just is kind of weird because he never leaves the house. You know, like you could make that case and that's why you don't lose empathy for her when she stays, right? Like that's why you don't be like, oh... She deserves it. This is a stupid move. You know, like, you still are yeah. like, I, I could see myself being talked into it. You know, like, I could I could it, see myself doing this. Yeah. You you realize that he's desperate, and it's just unclear as to why exactly. Yeah. And there's, like, you know, <laughs> humans that have watched horror movies before. You're just like, well, obviously there's ulterior motives huh. here. But, like, it's, it's just giving enough like shrouded sort of like empathy basically that you're just like yeah this this whole thing could be exactly what he says it is he he seems desperate but it's just i'm willing to believe his version of why mm-hmm. if well, that makes I, sense I, something i just connected about that that desperation that's what we know about him is that he's really desperate that's a great more more credit to the performance and probably to the directing that this character i'm gonna say both this character knowing what we now know by the end of the movie about him was authentically desperate to get her to stay at the house right Mm -hmm. like that authentic is the word i'm looking for Yeah. yeah he was acting like he was desperate about something else but we were seeing an authentic emotion from the character at that time. Like he was really fucking worried. He wasn't going to get someone for this big sacrifice. Right. Mm. (laughs) Like he, like (laughs) it was slipping away from him. Like it's just obviously that this, like this man is like, he's fumbled the bag on the sacrifice and it's really clear. And he's really (laughs) trying on a time crunch to make up for it. Right. Like, and yeah, it's this like really relatable thing about this like satanic cult member essentially but it's like we've all had that where like something was entrusted to us and we fucked it up and we had to scramble to to get it back together really quick and that's that's the very relatable situation that he's in it's just for us it was usually something like we didn't plan someone's birthday party as well as we said we would. Um, yeah. Or their bachelor party or something. Him, he lost the human sacrifice, it seems. It seems like the uh, the planned sacrifice did not go through, and he had to, uh, he had to call the backups. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I like the backups. Um... So I wanted to talk a little bit about the genre of this movie. This was, I can't remember where, like what website, maybe it was the Google search, but um, it said that this movie was a slasher, but I'm having a hard time believing that it is any sort of slasher. Our final girl is the final of two girls, so I'm not so sure about that. Um, No. How how would you kind of categorize this one? It's a cult movie. It, it, it's, okay. it's its own subgenre of horror is cults um and this is textbook textbook like time period accurate cult movie um frankly hereditary is not insanely different um it just mm. takes us on a 
way more elevated journey than 70s cult movies did but it's really a way scarier <laughs> yeah that's another movie that fits in the genre it's just it's not a movie that's done as often now because i don't think satanic cults are really what well-adjusted people who know how to navigate the internet fear these days <laughs> i thought about it i was like I, actually a lot of people think there are a lot of satanic cults now that I <laughs> it's like that was a conversation that i wanted to guide but you just nailed the conclusion so <laughs> perfectly stated i i don't have anything to build off of that basically but the, the like, people who are really scared of uh satanic cults right now they don't really go to see movies and movies are a reflection of the fear of moviegoers usually right <laughs> yeah and they're gonna be the ones that are claiming that like disney's elemental is actually an occult movie yeah. it's like no motherfucker like <laughs> or some shit like whatever woke disney is up to um yeah, that's what they think the devil is. <laughs> that's what they, yeah, that's where their their focus lies. It's just like, well, one of the characters mentioned that they might be a little bit homosexual, and I believe that this movie is therefore a cult movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, go watch Hereditary. <laughs> I'll show you a fucking cult movie. <laughs> I'll show you stuff. Get ready for the most traumatizing experience of your sheltered little life. <laughs> Well, it appears this character in this Pixar movie about jazz music actually worships the devil. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that one, Gertrude, but uh, let's get you back to bed. So, Facebook is where like the last outpost of people who are scared of mass cults is hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> We could make a straight-to-Facebook movie that would do gangbusters. Yeah, it's just like, if I don't see, like, regular articles about how Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, is, is, like, indoctrinating (laughs) our youth to Islam, then I don't know, like, what's the point of Facebook anymore? (laughs) (laughs) What's the point of Facebook if they're not even trying to do that shit? Oh, my God. Damn, mm. we're getting a lot out of this. Yeah. <laughs> out of this movie. We are. I uh so on the note of it being a cult movie. So I think a really awesome appeal of this movie is that for so long we don't know that it's a cult movie. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what the danger is. Yeah, go ahead. And I I do think like it's it's like literally my one note for this whole movie like my one critique is uh once the monsters are out of its dark are out of the dark um this like truly amazing and well-crafted tension that i felt the whole movie is pretty instantly dissipated um and i no longer feel scared once i once i know and i and maybe it comes from me having seen more movies like this you know i was like Oh, it's a cult movie. Now I get it. You know, like it was just a little bit of a a little bit of a letdown and a little bit of a uh again, it's just like I I could have used a scarier ending. And you know, I guess okay. No I don't want to spoil Hereditary, so skip forward if you if you've heard if you haven't seen Hereditary, skip forward, skip forward. Um I think 
why it works in Hereditary is that, like, the reveal that it's a satanic cult is, like, literally the final seconds of the movie. Like, we don't know that yeah. until, like, the very, very end and we're heading to credits. Yeah. This you is... don't know it and you don't know the extent of it. Right, right. And so it leaves you... And that's you... what makes the whole movie scary. Yeah. Yeah, it leaves you with that huge reveal and you're just kind of like, fuck. Um... This one, it's not it's it's not much sooner. Like, the movie's pretty much over when the reveal happens. You know, like we're, well, we're... I, I'll I'll disagree with you a little bit there because there is that scene, uh, maybe about an hour or so in. And by the way, this is only like a ninety-three minute movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like the the perfect length for like a movie of this exact budget and scope uh -huh. of story. Um, maybe like an hour or so in. She's knocking on the door. She's got the knife with her. And Samantha's like, uh, are you okay in there? She's like, something's up. But, like, I still believe that the woman in this house with me is this person. Is, like, the grandmother. Like, the matriarch of yeah, this yeah. house. And the camera goes into the room she's knocking on the door of. And there is a circle with a pentagram and, like, symbols. And there's, like, a kid with, like they it looks like their heart's been cut out and like the parents have been killed they're outside of the pentagram circle and there's like a phone on the floor and you realize this is like a cult kind of house mm -hmm. and that's like about an hour or so into it but the mm -hmm. character doesn't see it yet so i don't think that fact that this is a cult movie reveals itself in the final moments mm -hmm. i think it is shown a little bit earlier but that sequence is kind of understated, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's visited very briefly and then forgotten, kind of. Yeah. So I, I do, I do understand your feeling of this being kind of a um, underselling the punch a little bit, I mm -hmm. guess, of of what's really going on here. Yeah, it's just. I just think it could have been a little better. It's essentially what I chalk the note up to. You know, like, I'm just like, eh. The, the first two-thirds are, like, by my reckoning, essentially flawless. And, um, mm -hmm. again, it's like the movie changes so much after the reveal. Um, I don't know. It just, it just, it always felt a little disjointed to me. It felt like, uh two very separate different experiences watching the movie before the reveal and after the reveal and i've, I've never loved okay. that yeah that's totally fine i think i understand completely completely where you're coming from um yeah what else are you thinking about this movie i think i'm more or less out of notes i kind of want to see I've if there's a, anything else you kind of have i've got to a few notes like... i'm saving for gimmicks um let me look here okay any other insight about, like, uh, cult movies or watching this one for Halloween or whatever? Ty West's direction. Um, like, him him specifically, I, 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 do, I do think we didn't spend enough time on, like, the filmmaking aspects of this movie. Mm -hmm. And, like, you're talking about the first two-thirds of this movie. Um, the experience that brought you in, like the immersion and that tension mm -hmm. you've seen countless horror movies and i've seen a lot of horror movies since of course starting this podcast and it's just like 
being able to f- have a movie that came out, you know, this recently, I guess, 2009, it's just like emulating an older style of horror. It's like, okay, on paper, that sounds like something that should be predictable at every turn, but it's not. And that kind of misdirection and just the tone setting and everything just makes this for such a rewarding experience Mm -hmm. that especially for those first two thirds of the movie like you're talking about is just like this may emulate stuff that I've seen countless times before but I'm really feeling it this time yeah and (laughs) it it's it's so refreshing uh, in a sense you know refreshing is a great word for this movie um like I said, I think it's a better retro cult movie than retro cult movies. You know, like it's it's mm-hmm. really well done. Um, yeah, and I think something I noticed in my notes that, that goes to that point is um, I think something really unique about the movie and something that gives it that really fresh feel is I think the cinematography, the sound design, and the set design work together mm-hmm. really well to create this sense of stillness. Like this movie feels very much like the world is still and our protagonist is the only person alive in it. You know, like the only person moving. Um, And uh, I I think that, you know, on, on the film production side of things, I think like that house looked simultaneously very intricate and lived in and uncomfortably neat. Um, you know, like both those things mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, God, it's such a it's such a very quiet movie. Um, I, I'll I'll get into more on what I would expound upon on that in gimmicks uh, to, to okay to save something for the big the big reveal like this movie did. Hell yeah! No, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's just I guess it all comes back to the budget of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Less than a million dollars. this movie did so much with so little Mm -hmm. it's just like it successfully captures like this unnerving vibe and like i mentioned about you you mentioned the set design and i'm really glad you did and i think i mentioned it too it's just like by the end of the movie when we're like kind of chasing each other through the house a little bit it's that exact point where you start to feel like you really understand the geography of the house and when she runs down the hallway you feel like you know what's at the end of that hallway and the characters like the evil characters are like heading her off at the pass basically and just being like finding another route to that destination and you realize like when she runs upstairs and they run down this hallway you know where they're going to meet you start to really feel the layout of this house and I feel like that's something that's kind of hard to accomplish um, or it's so rarely like attempted to accomplish, I guess, basically. But I I, I just appreciate stuff like that here. Hell yeah. And uh, set design. Wow, wow, wow. Yes. I didn't really talk too much about the sound design, I guess. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm about I, to in gimmicks so we can just talk about it together if you want (laughs) yeah yeah most definitely uh so gimmicks are gimmicks of the week this week i think we're done talking about the movie essentially so 
our annual tradition. Our uh, This is our third time doing our gimmick of the week for movies for when it's Halloween. Our gimmick of the week this week is actually a twofer. It is our favorite trick and our favorite treat. Denny, I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite trick for the House of the Devil? Favorite trick. So I'll give a runner-up and I'll give a winner. Um, runner-up. Okay. Delivery guys hate her. Find out this easy trick to get free pizza. Um, <laughs> I love oh, that. Shit. That like she didn't get paid what she was promised, but she did actually get to eat the pizza. <laughs> she she got a pizza out of it. Um, Dude, this is a very pizza forward movie, <laughs> and I feel like how did Will? Oh, I thought Will Reno didn't like it. I got confused. No, he 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 didn't like. Uh, drag me to hell. So yeah. Will Reno, I feel like, would love this movie because pizza is featured in very prominent ways. Yeah. And uh, I've got more of that for my later gimmicks. But mm. yeah, basically, <laughs> even though pizza did portray Samantha in the end. Um, yeah, what is your uh, ultimate favorite trick here, though? What I think is the strongest creative choice of the movie and the moment I was most scared was... Um, when our protagonist i don't even know her name i keep calling her samantha i've said it samantha. a few times yeah Excuse there me. we go um i uh, had to, i had to look it up i'm not gonna lie samantha is listening to uh one thing leads to another on what appears to be uh noise canceling headphones or at least the <laughs> caveman technology version of them <laughs> mm -hmm. um so the trick here is that um I thought it was a really, really, really smart and innovative choice to create fear by restricting one of the character's senses and therefore restricting our sense of sound, our sense mm. of hearing. Uh -huh. um, we can only right. hear what Samantha hears, which is that fucking song. That, and um, she's dancing around the house. And in that moment, I feel so scared because I'm like, you won't be able to hear them coming. And I won't be able to hear them coming. They're going to come out of nowhere. Um, and I, I I even respected their restraint of not doing a jump scare with it. Because um, while I do think it was the perfect moment for a jump scare, I think that would have been the choice of a lesser filmmaker than Ty West. Uh, I think... Mm. I think getting us really, really, really scared for something to happen, and then she bumps into a vase, which definitely cost her her night's pay, and that is a very scary thing to happen in the non-lethal world, but we're expecting lethal consequences, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, So that's my favorite trick, is to create fear in the audience by making them have the same sensory experience as the character. Yeah, I, I think we didn't cover effectively just the amount of audacity that samantha had traipsing around this house just digging into every closet nook and cranny she could find and being like well, this is basically my house i'm gonna see what's in this door over here uh, she's, she's just a big old snoop big old chismosa she's just digging into everything that doesn't belong to her i'll call it a character flaw uh, <laughs> i I saw it as more of an attempt to regulate her fear. I saw it as like, ah, I gotta do something because I'm so fucking scared and for some reason there's not a goddamn TV in this house. Um, I gotta do something. Well, she... uh, I'm just gonna go around and 
didn't go through drawers. You know, like that, there is that's a TV in the house. There is a oh, TV is. in the Fuck, house. You're right. You're she right. She watches uh, Night, Night of the Living, Living Dead. Dead. There right. you go. There's a there's a room where I thought a TV should be there and it wasn't, and I just never forgave them for that as, oh. as interior designers. That's the uh, millennial brain speaking to you. Like, I would put a TV in there. I get it. Um, my favorite trick is the reveal of the mom being so gross. You know, you kind of get the reveal that it's just like, oh, it's a cult thing. It's all a bunch of spooky people that worship the devil, basically. Mm-hmm. And then they show, like, the mom character, and she's just this freaky, grotesque. It looks like she's, like got this uh just covered in burns on her face it's just like it's a person but it just feels like ah it's so scary she's the one kind of conducting the ritual and it seems like she has no lips like her eyes are just dead balls inside of sockets there's no life in there Mm -hmm. it's it's a very cool and effective um kind of prosthetic costume basically and i think it works as a good trick you're just like oh these are just people that are doing spooky things and you're like one of them's not really a normal person (laughs) she's more of a witch kept alive by the will of satan through human sacrifice if you know what i'm saying exactly yeah (laughs) that was my favorite trick danny what about your favorite treat my favorite treat um let's see I um I originally had it as um a a small a small role from uh, Greta Gerwig being wonderful but I changed it to uh getting to see the director who made Barbie without her face. Um and I I mm. that's not because Ooh. I didn't like Barbie. I loved it. Um it was just insane to me that like the director of this like multi 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 uh, this billion dollar movie this billion dollar movie um is doing this like b-horror schlock for fun uh 10 years ago or 15 Mm -hmm. years ago you know like um it's just so cool to me that i'm like dude there's there's not like a steven spielberg performance that nobody knows about where he gets his face blown off or a scorsese you know like of right name 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 a well-known director, and I challenge you to find another one that has a scene where their face gets blown off in a movie. Yeah, a director of a movie that has made a billion dollars <laughs> in, like, a low-budget, for-fun, B-movie, horror schlock, slasher kind of nonsense thriller. And it's... I think you're right. I think it's just Greta Gerwig. And, like, I don't think we talked enough about her presence or her performance in the movie during our discussion on it. But, like, it's like... Just a great minor character, a great, like, voice of reason that seems overly cautious but is 100% right. You know, like, just just a Mm -hmm. great character. A fantastic character and a fantastic performance. It just... This was... Before this is a very much pre Barbie sort of thing. <laughs> it's just mm. like it's it's specifically watching this movie now is a very fun time to look up look back on this uh, her role in this in this movie basically. <clears throat> All right, uh, my favorite treat also features 
our beloved Greta Gerwig. And it is <laughs> Greta Gerwig and Samantha having pizza and Coke in the pizza restaurant. It is just like, I can taste everything they're having oh. in this scene. And in the uh, in the movie trivia, apparently those um, like Coke paper cups that they were drinking out of, uh, Ty West got those off eBay. But it's just <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You you see the pizza they're eating and the coke they're drinking and like you could tell like from the shape of the ice cubes how everything tastes in that restaurant and it just feels mm-hmm. so like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man I don't know why that was such an immersive moment it's just like yeah I know how this scene exactly feels and that's part of the magic of like creating a movie that's set in the eighties and you didn't just half-assedly play some 80s songs or like oh we have this outfit or hey we shot on film it's like full buy-in or full immersion to like an 80s aesthetic that goes even down to like what teenagers would be or like college freshmen and sophomores would be getting at like (laughs) just like a slice of pizza and a coke for like a dollar or a dollar fifty yeah. or whatever at the time. So that was well, my favorite like, treat. It is food a, based. If it's a theme of this movie of snuffed out youth, um, how much pizza is in it? Because like, what that made me feel as like a man in his thirties with like like pretty bad digestive issues is I was like, oh, I remember when I could just eat pizza and not think about it. You know, mm. like I remember when <laughs> I could just go out for pizza and not worry about the consequences of that choice. You know, like now when someone suggests it, I have to be like, oh, it's not, I'm sorry, it's not early enough in the day for me to eat pizza. Um, if if I want to eat pizza, I have to do it at like noon. And like, who who wants to go out for pizza with you at noon? <laughs> well, Greg would, yeah. Uh, but, here's me raising my hand. Yeah, uh... So, yeah, it even just made me... Pizza is just such a staple of youth. You know, like, it's just such a young thing. It it made me really, really nostalgic for what it was like to be in a small-time pizza shop without a care in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Denny, what is your favorite line? So there aren't a lot of strong choices. Um... I'll give a runner-up being Are You Not the Babysitter, Um, which is awesome um, because then, like, it's just literally all the guy needed to know. She's not the babysitter, and then he just shoots her in the face, Um, Mm -hmm. which really I love that line for what happened after it more than the line itself. So I'll give my winner to the song lyric, One Thing Leads to Another, because that is the moment that made the most of an, the biggest impression on me in this movie is her listening to that song and running <clears throat> around the house and not paying attention to what great danger she is in. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll give it to one thing leads to another. What about you? I like it. Uh, I had a runner up that we also used frequently in another episode from this year. Uh, how do you like them apples from Gre- Greta Gerwig? <laughs> <laughs> reminiscent of our um goodwill hunting days that we 
from when we covered that. Uh, but my favorite line comes from Samantha's under under displayed college roommate, a character I enjoyed very much. She was just in it for a little bit, but she wakes up and says, my favorite joke from a 30 Rock episode, what the hell time is it? Very funny. <laughs> very nice. I don't know. Very nice. I, I just like, what the hell time is it? From a sleepy um, college freshman or whatever. Just It's like the vine where they pour water on the sleeping girl and she goes, hello. Hello? <laughs> Oh, very familiar. Very familiar. <laughs> All right, Denny, what did you give uh, the House of the Devil on the old Critiker score? What'd you rate it? What'd you rate I it? Gave it? I gave it a 44 out of 50. Uh, this is a movie that I have very, very few critiques of. Um, I, I thought it was really, really good. Um, there was, like, one thing that didn't... Like, even, like, my, 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 my notes about the ending are... Like, it didn't work as well as it could have. It definitely worked, you know, like, but it, yeah. it, it could have worked on a higher level for me, I think. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, is it one of the greatest movies ever made? Probably not, but it's, like, really, really good at what it does. Like, really, really expertly crafted. Um, oh, for sure. You know, for something that has, like... I gave you the whole plot of this movie with spoilers in like a sentence earlier in this episode. You know, like there's not a lot of depth to what's going on in House of the Devil. Like it's a very, very simple, straightforward story. Um, we don't get to know the characters very well. The characters aren't very well fleshed out. We, it, it almost has these uh, short film qualities to it, you know, because um, all that stuff totally works. And so, um, right. you know, long this... walk for a short drink of water. It's good. Yeah, the the stuff that is fleshed out works very well, I think. Yeah. Um I think this movie accomplishes the vibes that it was going for. Um I don't really have much an issue with the ending like you. I think this is a a genre film for a genre that I'm not super familiar with, so I'm a little more on board with it and I I I think it accomplishes exactly what it was trying to do. It it harkens back to an era that is constantly overplayed, especially nowadays, but it does it in a way that is actually believable and enjoyable and is just not playing for pure nostalgia. It's, you know, we're building a plot based off what we're trying to do here. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. It was the best horror movie that I watched during this specific spooky season. I gave it a 30 out of 40, a 3 out of 4, 7.5 out of 10. However you want to slice it, that's where I landed. Really good time. Very cool. Very cool, my man. Very cool. <sighs> we did it. We did it, Greg. Is? Now, Denny, I got one little question for you. Yes. Is spooky season actually over? Are we done with spooky season? I mean, we're still in October. As we record now, it is October 29th. Are we, like, really done here? Oh, you know, when Halloween falls on a Tuesday, it just doesn't seem right to end it right away. You know, like, 
you're not going to have time to take your decorations down till the weekend. You know, mm-hmm. like you're you're going to be in you're going to have a a few days where you're like giving candy to coworkers cuz you had some left over, you know, like uh and we call that the Halloween hangover. Um Uh-huh. The Halloween hangover when there's just we've passed the peak but we're not all the way to thanksgiving season yet there's there's just a couple days like that you know um so greg what are we gonna do what what's what's your Uh, what's your tonic what's your cure what's your iv of water for a halloween hangover man we gotta nurse this thing somehow man and it's just like you know the holidays are coming up we've covered like all kinds of thanksgiving and christmas horror specific movie horror (laughs) movies and like i think back to years past on this podcast and we've covered a christmas horror movie called gremlins now what if there was a non-christmas kind of horror movie from the same franchise Hmm. now denny Hmm. i am of course talking about the movie we're covering next week for our Halloween hangover. Ah, it's Gremlins 2. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Kind of a spur of the moment theme that we <laughs> decided because we have to abide by the rules of the Taylor household. I, I of have rules. Okay, people, I have rules that I live by. <laughs> I was ready to move on to the next theme, but we've we can't the, just watch non-spooky movies in October. Like we have to. No, I, yeah, don't do that. We don't do. And I would have had like for those wondering why this is an issue because our recording schedule would not allow for this to happen with without me watching a non-spooky movie in October. And I love movies for when, and I love my commitments, but rules is rules. Okay, like rules just, is rules. I, I I don't know what to tell you. Halloween has rules, okay? I'm not I'm not going to watch something like, I don't know, Gilda. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like mm-hmm. the least spooky movie I could think of. Marley and Me. <laughs> like Halloween, like the month of October has established rules especially for the Taylor's household and I have to honor those rules. Thank you. We, so, we're we going to that. be covering gremlins 2 we do have another theme in mind it's going to be another one-off episode after gremlins 2 but you guys are just gonna have to wait and see on that what could it be i'm pretty excited to let you know but we're not there yet so whatever all right denny i think we've uh, effectively scared we're not ready for the hangover yet but we're just about there let's push through let's have one more great night and let's have one more great catchphrase. Hell yeah. I'll have to make it a good one. Mm. For Greg Work, the severed leg work, Johnson. Ooh. I'm Dinny the Talon Taylor. And this has been Spookies for When Piano Fingers. We already scared you when. But you know what we didn't scare you? What's my... Cage again. Cage again! (laughs) (laughs) See my badge?
Stay.